Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello there, Laurie and Julia. Show My Talk Motor 71, everything entertainment. Got a call from one of our lovely listeners letting us know that tonight, and this is going to be happening at movie theaters all over town Southdale, Invergrove, Oakdale, Rose, uh, Roseville. Uh, it's one night only, seven o'clock. They're showing the Woodstock movie, the director's cut. The original movie. They're doing this all over the Twin Cities. If you're interested and would want to go tonight at 7 o'clock, you just go to Fathom, F-A-T-H-O-M, Fathom Events, Woodstock, and you can find the theater in your area. Very good. Very, very good. Okay. Well, we did post a a couple found a a photo of their first hours together. Not the couple we talked about yesterday, a different couple. So thanks for posting that, Donnie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they saw themselves in the documentary or what. There we are. Yeah, there we are. We've been looking for it. Look at how young we look. Look at how happy we looked. Look at how wet and muddy we looked. Yeah, right. It was wet and muddy. Okay, so Sunday night on Paramount Network, which is like. On Comcast is like eight sixty nine or something. Sure. The high D. It's of course um, it's eight. It's the old Spike TV. Okay, and it's Paramount Network. Um, and that is where the Patrick Swayze, I'm Patrick Swayze documentary is airing. And uh, so that Sunday night, and that would have been his sixty seventh birthday. Is that macabre to do something ten years later on someone's birthday to have it no. air on that date? No, I don't think so at all. I think you're celebrating him. Okay, well here's we've got a couple of cuts and then also Patrick Swayze's brother, Sean Swayze, is Has speaking up. He was contacted um by radar online and he decided to speak to them. So we'll talk about that too, because it's uh boy no love lost between Sean Swayze and Patrick Swayze's widow, Lisa. Interesting. Okay, so let's play the first one, Donnie. Patrick Swayze was a renaissance man for modern times, both rugged and gentle. A macho man who could throw a punch, a gentle dancer who could buckle knees. That sweeping range chronicled in the documentary, I Am Patrick Swayze. I was just looking for any way to make a mark. I remember watching Patrick and thinking, He charmed everyone. He'd find a way in and make you just fall in love with them. As soon as we started dancing, it was just like... (sighs) Those who knew him best called him Buddy, and there was no shortage of people willing to talk about their friend, including co-stars like Rob Lowe. Patrick performed like he had something to prove. He was a gymnast, a world-class cowboy, a ballet dancer. His dirty dancing partner, Jennifer Grey... Patrick was super hungry for connection. His heart and my heart... Got along really well. And Demi Moore, who recalled the iconic scene from Ghosts that reshaped our pottery perceptions. 
with the pottery scene, I think that there, you know, something within his dance background that I think also gave him a particular um, perception in how to approach that. Okay. That is some very fancy talk about pottery background. perception. It yes. had it was his movement of the of the pottery wheel. Yes. That yes. He, the way he pointed his toes in the periette in position yeah. one or she two. She had such cute short hair in that she movie. Was, that was everything, yeah, that did. hair. It, it kind I feel of like was. I already had that once this year. Maybe. My hair's grown out. No. I guess when... I kind of like hearing those old voices, though. I got to admit. And that was uh, Sam Elliott talking about Roadhouse right? and Kelly Lynch. And I guess... Wasn't Rob Lowe one of those voices? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was Rob Lowe, the outsider. Outsiders, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes. And, I and guess, Jennifer Grey was in there, too. Yeah, when ghost director Jerry Zucker was looking to cast his romantic lead for that movie, he, um, Swayze, the actor... He knew as the combative bouncer from the pretty violent action film Roadhouse. Okay. With Kelly Lynch and, 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 and so it wasn't who he had in mind. In fact, Zucker was convinced there was no way Patrick Swayze would star in his movie Ghost. He was ready to dismiss him when he came to audition. Swayze wound up reading the entire script to the filmmakers. Everyone in the room was so moved by his performance. They were in tears, and he Serious? got the part. Wow. So okay, I like that. Is a, so that's something we're going to see That was see a deep cut, Laurie. We'll All see right. in the movie. Okay, Diane, let's play the next one. Much of Swayze's story is shared through his wife of 34 years, Lisa Niemi Swayze, a fellow dancer. I think that he would be very pleased with this documentary. I think that it shows who we strive to be so beautifully and clearly. In both the documentary and an interview with NBC News, Lisa says that growing up, Patrick was trained by his choreographer mother, Patsy, who was sometimes abusive. She's kind of that old school Texas thing that, you know, spare the rob, spoil the child. Finally, when he was 18 years old, his dad came downstairs. She was kind of laying into him and he uh, pretty much told her that he she needed to stop then and there or he'll divorce her. From that point on, she never hit him again. It's that whole cycle of abuse thing and uh, what Patrick got from her was probably nowhere near what she got from her own mother. Over the years, she says Patrick and his mom came to have a much stronger relationship. She died four years after Patrick's death. Okay. So Sean Swayze, pet is radar, he younger or he's older? younger, he's All younger, right. he was asked about that specific allegation that okay. Lisa said that, you know, the, the mom, she was Texas, you know, I don't right. think anything what she said was too bad, but here's what he said, my family doesn't even associate with that piece of bleep about the, the widow, Lisa, there was never any abuse in our family, he said she's been grubbing for money since he died, Anything that makes her money, she'll tell the press. He refused to participate in this documentary. He said, I know what my family was like. I don't need a damn documentary about it. <laughs> I don't need to relive oh, wow. that. Yeah. Addressing, Sounds like he's really a stable, happy man. Addressing the allegations, Sean said his parents were kind and hardworking, and they did punish them when they did something wrong. It was an abuse. He said, there was never any abuse. She, our mom, had a temper. We all had tempers. Everyone had violent tempers. Right wow. there. Mm. I'm like going, okay, oh, this yeah. must be true. Yeah. But there were no beatings. We got spankings and whippings like a good old southern boy. All we did was get our whippings growing up. 
We never got punched in the face. Oh, for crying out loud. We got a belt. Loud. That was normal. It doesn't mean it's abuse. We had a great childhood. We were in sports and athletes. It was fun. Um, and he said she never appreciated Patrick until after he died. And he said, my brother was always hurt that Lisa never took his last name. He said, but when he died, she wanted to for money. And he said, we don't talk to her. We don't care if she lives or dies. Oh, man. But excuse me, they were huh. married. Yeah, I know. Why wouldn't she get have the rights to everything? <laughs> I mean, this is so weird. Well, here's... Doesn't that? Yeah, this is like a flashback to um, to when Barbara Walters interviewed him mm-hmm. when he was 56 years old. Um, and he had just found out that he had pancreatic pancreatic cancer and what happened is he said it was new year's eve and everyone was celebrating at the end of 2007 he was with his wife i tried to have some champagne and it was like pouring acid on an open wound when he swallowed it and he said his indigestion issues kind of got gigantic and constant and then i started thinking i'm getting skinny and he lost about 20 pounds and then the bottom part of his eyes he started to go go jonas and get yellow mm-hmm. and he finally went in and he said there's something wrong with me and they discovered a malignant tumor in his midsection and a small mass on his liver soon after they diagnosed stage four pancreatic cancer yeah that's just kind of a good reminder though if you have really intense yeah. indigestion yes. and stuff maybe go get Jeez. it checked out i know we shot then, a tv series in between the, beast, the cancer Lori, the, beast. the beast and yeah. he was feeling remember you thought was it was a, a miracle show. i remember yeah. the national Enquirer. it's a miracle mm-hmm. um and he thought that he was really gonna he regained strength and weight after it all and then uh, well, we got one, one more we got all right one more. tell me all right okay. let's listen the documentary also recounts Swayze's growing successes and takes viewers to his ranch in California, his way of staying grounded while working among stars. He was proud that we were more real and that we didn't live in Beverly Hills. For all his triumphs, there were challenges. Those who knew Swayze say at times over the years he struggled with alcohol abuse. It's difficult to watch someone destroy themselves. That was the hard part to kind of go through. But he was able to get it under control shortly before he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, a battle he fought to the very end before passing away at the age of 57. There was a humbleness I hadn't seen in him, and I was so impressed with the individual that I saw before me as he faced his disease. Not everybody faces it so gracefully and with such an open heart and love. I feel like I still have a relationship with him. He's, he's just on the other side. It's, it's a very strange thing because he's still in my life. He's just not present. Listen, everyone says these two had a great love affair. And, and she was with him his for whole a long, life. A long to time. She was, when they met, she was 14. He was uh, 16. Yeah. Or 18, I mean. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, you know, um, I think what we're going to learn is that she shares that while he was filming The Bees, yeah. which he was very passionate because it was such a different kind of a role where he mm-hmm. plays this uh, cop. He would work 14 to 16 hour days on the set and then do the chemo on the weekends. Yeah. I mean. And the chemo was really. He and started, he did look very thin in yep. that and kind of gaunt. But he completed it the season before he died and he just really wanted that. He really believed in that. It was kind of a dark 
Donnie, I think you and I watched that. The I Beast. might have, yeah. Kind of, he was a cop, and it was Chicago, yeah. but was yeah. he a dirty cop, or kind of a cop skating yeah, on the edge? Something sure. like that, but it was like 2009, the series. Yeah. So anyway, that's on Sunday night, If you and all day on Sunday on Paramount, they are playing Ghost, oh. Dirty Dancing... Roadhouse. Roadhouse, they're playing. Yeah. Oh, they might movies. even the be playing Point Break, Outsiders. Yeah, yeah Red so it's, Dawn. It's like uh, uh, Patrick Swayze Day on Paramount. Nice. Yeah. All right, listen, we come back. It's time for the Dirt Alert. This is a My Talk Dirt Alert. All right, Holly, thanks for being here. What's oh, our Dirt Alert course. for this Thursday? Lovely to see you today, both of you. All right, let's start off with uh, some celebrity justice news. The man who killed Ashton Kutcher's friend has just been found guilty of two counts of first-degree murder. Now, uh, the jury in Michael Gargulio's murder trial uh, returned its verdict this afternoon, finding him guilty of killing two women with a knife in California, including Ashton's friend, Ashley Ellerin. Now, remember, this happened back in 2000. 2001, when Ashton Kutcher was on that 70s show, and Ashton Kutcher did testify. It took a long time for them to find this guy. Was it DNA evidence or something uh, that you, busted him? Yeah, you know, I'm not exactly mm. sure on that, but it did take a long time. He's also uh, currently facing charges in Illinois, yep. where people are fi- uh, they're calling him. His nickname, the Hollywood Ripper, he's facing murder charges in Illinois and prosecutors have labeled him a serial sexual thrill killer. I mean, this was a really gruesome case. The the details, Ashton Kutcher took the stand back in May to testify going in front of the jury on behalf of his friend Ashley and providing crucial testimony because this is what happened back in 2001. Ashton said Ashley was supposed to be his date to a Grammys after party in 2001, but she never showed up. And Ashton Kutcher testified on the night of the Grammys. He went to Ashley's home around 1045, knocked on the door, and there was no answer. Ashton said he peered through the side window and saw what he believed was red wine spilled on the floor. So then he left. And Ashley was found dead in her house the next morning, lying outside the bathroom with more than 47 stab wounds. And authorities say uh, that indeed Michael was the killer. And the judge and jury, you know, I mean, it was a really intense case this you know and and he i think obviously i mean this really was devastating to ashton kutcher being involved in that so much because well, he doesn't really the next mean, day he right, gets to find call, out that Ashley. you thought it was wine yeah. oh. and the other one and he would have maybe been a suspect no wait right you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. boyfriend stopped by the house people saw him i mean you know and this yeah. guy was would pretend he was like an air conditioner fixed man oh you know, that's kind of oh, what was this scam trick was. in the book mm-hmm. with some of that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, 
Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. No. Stuff, at least Hold this trick in the book for you. No, it is people misrepresenting yes. themselves who they are. Yeah, yeah, it is true. Yeah, in utility things or any kind of scam, like, excuse me, ma'am, I have to go and check your uh, furnace because apparently it might be a, a hazard. Or Silence any- of the Lambs, Wild Bill gets that girl, will you help me put this couch in this truck? Oh, Lori. You know? Don't help people put things in fans. <laughs> oh, is cool. what we learned from Silence of the Lambs. I forgot that, that Lori. It puts oh. the lotion in, in the, the basket. Oh, my goodness. Well, let's move on to more celebrity justice news. And we talked about this right at the top of the show. But in case you missed it, this Chrisley Knows Best case with Todd Chrisley is getting even weirder. So his daughter, Lindsay Chrisley, a strange daughter, told police that her dad, Todd, and her stepbrother, Chase, were trying to extort her with a sex tape for her not to talk about this tax evasion case and not to talk to the authorities. Now, Todd is denying the existence of the tape, which he said Lindsay had claimed to feature Robbie Hayes from The Bachelor, because apparently Lindsay was having an affair with Robbie Hayes from The Bachelor behind her husband's back. Oh, she was married, okay. So she was married at the time. She has since reconciled with her husband, but Lindsay is alleging in a police report obtained by DailyMail.com that Todd and Chase threatened to leak the tape if she did not lie to authorities for them trying to cover up all of this tax evasion that was happening. Can you imagine? No, I actually can't. I, this I is cannot imagine my dad and my brother saying, if you don't do this, we're going to expose your sex tape. I mean, that is just gross. I think he's guilty as all get out. Same. Yeah. I always, I did wonder, because I watched it a little bit at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I kept thinking, why is this gay guy married to this same. lady? Same, Lori. That was my first uh, yeah, thought. Why like, is this gay guy uh, pretending he's not gay? Gay, and, uh, and then how does he have all the money? My, right. That, well, those are my two things. And, I, and then I then I quit watching. Same. He doesn't sound like he's a good dude, though. Mm-mm. This is disgusting. Is that he also just, saying that the daughter is tipped off the IRS on him? Yes. Well, that's the thing where it was. You talk. We're going to leak this thing, but they've been estranged. Well, for, for how long? Uh, you know, for I think a little while. I'll you look know, it up. It's one of those things where this show is. Always, this show has been on. I think it's in. It's like at least seventh season, it and is. it's always been in the background. And uh, you know, there are obviously fans of Chrisley Knows Best. It first started on E, and then it moved thought, over to USA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did, but it, it's just strange. Like there are a lot of things that are happening with this family. Yeah, where did they get their money? What's going on with these relationships between each other? I mean, and also. I think that Todd Chrisley had custody of his granddaughter that his estranged son had. Uh, it, there's got a lot of estrangement going on. I guess it's not as uh, not all as well under the under I that reality don't rock. Think so. So that is what is going on. His new there. show would be called Chrisley Knows Jail. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Chrisley doesn't know best. In fact, uh-huh. Chrisley doesn't know anything. Chrisley's in jail. Yeah, Chrisley's in jail. I, I mean, that is just. And it sounds like they have so much on him because he puts so much out there on Instagram and stuff. And apparently he's just saying, I had one bad employee that went to the IRS. I felt like that's what he said the other day. That is what he said the other day. I had one bad seed and he just wants to bring us down. 
Yeah, I I mean, good luck believing that. I mean, if you're being indicted on almost a dozen charges, mm-hmm. including wire fraud, tax evasion, all these other things, good luck with you because you probably are going to jail. Now, he faces, he and his wife, Julie, and the accountant face up to 30 years in prison. He's going, like, it's a Joe Judice situation. Yes, it totally it's the exact is. same kind Except of situation. Except for he won't be deported back to his own country. Yeah. Exactly. Uncle Sam knows best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. Uh, this is something that we're going to want to look out for, and I don't know when it's going to be released, uh, but Variety is reporting that Magnolia Pictures has acquired the rights to a film called Scandalous, which is a documentary, a deep dive into the history of the National Enquirer. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's a guy who's writing a book about it right now. I had a, something about yeah. it two days ago. Well, Like a deputy yeah. editor who'd been yes. there a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, this is going to be following Generoso Pope Jr., the man who purchased the New York Enquirer in the 1950s to rebrand it, rename it the National Enquirer, moved it down to Jupiter, Florida, decorated everything all Christmas-like. And this is really going to go into some of the depths and some of the wheelings and dealings behind the scene between the National Enquirer, American media, and maybe some people in position of power. Yeah. We had a guy on, like, this was our we, first, one of our first years on the air who did this whole deep dive. Nice. Into the National Enquirer, and they've been doing the catch and release, and just sort of all the, but yet also all the ways they investigated and did break some stories. They did break some, and they won Pulitzer. I feel like they won a Peabody or something for, yes. The John Edwards story. They were at least nominated for a Pulitzer Prize for their investigative reporting in the John Edwards case, because isn't it the thing that the National Enquirer, well, they do actual investigative work. It's the way that they source their information that maybe is uh, looked down upon by other journalistic institutions. Well, this is going to be uh, produced by the same people who have done RBG, Blackfish, Life Itself with Roger Ebert. So we're going to have to be on the lookout for that. Also on the lookout, now was Drew Barrymore your vintage scandal yesterday? Okay, well then that's a coincidence that Drew Barrymore spotted in New York filming a daytime talk show pilot, which, yeah, you guys are absolutely right. She may be the most Hollywood royalty of an acting family because she goes back two generations in the acting with great-grandparents. Oh, yeah. And And grandparents. She has the Barrymore profile. Yeah, she does. From her uh, elders. I think she'd be great as a talk show host. Same. I really do. She's just always been a delightful... Even though there's a lot of people competing for talk show time. Yes, there is. Oh, yeah. Kelly Clarkson out there saying, look at me! I know. But she'll... I think she'll do well, too. I think so, too. All right. uh, You're going to help us out on what's happening with traffic, and then we got some theories. Just tell them your theory, Lauren. Theories, so little time. Yeah, I know. The hyoid bone on Jeffrey Epstein's uh, neck where? is going to be everything that determines whether or not he was strangled before he was hung. hung. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's called the hyoid, hyoid bone. bone. And where is the hyoid bone found it's, exactly? It's like behind, up your, up way up high, kind of behind your Adam's apple oh, on that, a guy. Oh, high, yeah, huh? it's up high. Yeah. Oh, okay. It has been proven. They have they've proven in other quote unquote suicides that people were strangled, 
it's worked both ways, right. you know, but that is going to be the clue that and adding up the suspicious coincidences of malfunctioning cameras and sleeping guards and knowing and doing roommates passes, being moved roommates out. being moved. The combination of all of that will get to that thing. So my theory is we may never know who really did it, but they'll find out who got paid, who... We'll take the fall, which will be, you know, probably part-time security people mm-hmm. with no health insurance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. 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 Here is, do you guys think, uh, do you think that you can spot a liar? Do you mm. think that you guys are pretty good at telling you, not talking about when your kids are lying to no, you, okay. no. but yeah. talking about just like when someone else is lying. If you're having a conversation lying. with someone and you can tell that you feel like they're um, shady, I believe yeah, that I can do that. You think you can? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. It's the eyes. Well, the lack of eye contact. Yeah, they look down a lot. Well, here's this is from the University of Edinburgh. Okay. They they have uh, they really said this. You can't. Yeah, they said even if you feel like you're a fairly good judge of character, and you and always can, say that about you, and can, well, you can get a vibe certainly sure. for someone and get a feel. I'm a cancer. So I do maybe have extra oh, intuition. No, all cancers do. Cancers have an intuition. Just about a, people. A, a lot of other people have intuitions about people from different signs. I'm just saying, astrologically speaking, the okay. moon children. <laughs> this oh, is another God one of my sakes. theories. No, okay, yeah, I know there. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So, okay, so, but people think that they can pick out what uh, someone who is lying within a matter of minutes because. People go, oh, I look, their eyes are shifting. Mm. They're closing their eyes when they're telling me something. They're fidgety hands. They're not looking right at me. But the study found out that the typical clues we keep an eye out and associate with liars are actually produced more often when someone is telling the truth. Because people oh. shut their eyes to remember the story and to get it straight. I read, we read, where did we just read this? I don't know, but I all know in all, uh, spotting a liar, liar then? spotting a liar is much easier said than done is what happens because the cues that we pick up on as red flag lying flags, I guess, are just as likely or more likely to be used as someone is saying the truth. Mm-hmm. So we are pre- occupied and have preconceptions about what people who are lying um but we don't necessarily we're not we don't care it, no it isn't that we don't care but it's just that there are other maybe telling things sure. that they're doing and according to uh the journal of cognition where this was published <laughs> more studies need to be done oh, yeah. but i do study, there study. was mm-hmm. some random thought fact or something that when you shut your eyes and you're talking to someone and telling them a story you're accessing information in a different way or something and that used to be a thing oh you're shutting your eyes because you're lying lying. Mm -hmm. but i think shutting your eyes and shifting are two different things yeah so being shifty swifty shifty i think you feel something different yeah like when someone turns around and gives you the answers they're walking away Probably lying to you. Mm-hmm. Or when someone turns around and doesn't care what you're saying. No, say. but like if yeah. you're, if 
asking somebody point blank about something and they go, oh, yeah, and they kind of just walk away from you so then they don't have to lie uh, to your eyes. Eye contact, That's right. I think that person's lying. That's mm. my theory on that. All right. Okay, here's another theory. Okay. Um, marrying multiple times is good for women's health, but bad for men. Yeah, okay? we say that. Yeah, uh, marrying multiple times buffers women financially and socially. According to this study, however, when it comes to men, the fitness, their fitness actually drops the more spouses or partners they have. Uh, they give the example of Zsa, Zsa Gabor, who lived to 102, famously having nine husbands. <laughs> and I give you looked like a million bucks to the end. I give you J-Lo, who just yes. turned 50, who looks like yes. she's 30 and she's had, uh, you know, three marriages and five engagements. Summer of 42 actress Jennifer O'Neill, now 71, she's married to her ninth husband. And, of course, dynasty legend Joan Collins, 86, is married to her fifth husband. They can't pin down exactly why. Men just like to be married, period. So if there's a break in that chain, I think it upsets them. Uh, It upsets the apple cart. Well, it's a wise strategy for women. Why? Where the necessities of life are hard. It was a surprise, as typically men gain more reproductively from mating with many partners, backing sexual selection theory. But women's fitness rises and men's declines from an increase in the number of marriage partners. They're worn out. The guys are worn out. They keep getting married and they can't figure out women. Or maybe they keep marrying. Now that we have gay marriage, they keep marrying men and they can't figure out why. And every time it breaks up, they repeat. All right. The same person, mm. the same type of person. All right. Love Maybe. and rinse, repeat. Yeah. Uh, they looked at the length of marriages, blah, blah, blah. They said it's still a puzzle why women benefit from a regular walk up the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, so there you go. Yeah, that is you. Walk down the aisle here. Now, on the absolute opposite side of that, you know how we'll read in the paper, we'll see that. Oh, this somebody they died within days of each other and they'll yeah, do yes. the double yeah, yeah, obituary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot. So we see that where they've spent their whole life together only to pass away days or hours mm-hmm. apart. The notebook. This study may explain why. Mm-hmm. Okay, this was published, just so you know, in the Psychoendocrinology All right. uh, Journal presented, excuse me. And what they found out is Rice University did the study. People who've been together a long time, if they are truly struggling with the grief by the loss, they are at a much higher risk of inflammation. Mm. And inflammation contributes to almost every disease in older adulthood. Mm -hmm. And um, so if someone is dealing they're able to more easily deal with their grief. Mm-hmm. They're not having that so much, but they interviewed 99 widows or widowers who'd lost their spouses and also had them give blood samples. And they classified people by their level of grief, who was grieving more heavily, whether it was accepting the loss or, or the inability to let go. And in comparing the blood samples, they found that people who were grieving more severely had up to 20% more inflammation than those who had lesser symptoms of grief. In fact, they had like 53% higher inflammation than people at the bottom Mm -hmm. of the grief thing. That's how they looked at these 100 people. 
So they're just saying that that it could be an explanation, yeah. right? For it's just it's the work shows that among those who are bereaved, the the highest risk are those people who are deeply just can't imagine going on. Yes, yeah. right. So just wow. that could be that could All be fifty one percent are more likely to die themselves within the six months following the passing. Wow, having heart problems and inflammation. Yeah. So you can die of a broken heart. You really, yeah, you literally can. Yeah. Now, if you can't stop swiping your dating apps, <laughs> what's wrong with you? You have an addiction fueled by loneliness and social anxiety. Oh, dear. Tinder and Bumble have changed the way people meet and many other apps with the aspects of digital life as these apps become habit forming. Ohio State University identified two traits. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. It's often found in people wrestling with bad dating app addictions, lonely, and social anxiety. <laughs> Not just that they're using their phone a lot. People are missing school or work, getting in trouble in classes or work because they keep checking their dating apps. That's they use so it compulsively. That's so funny. They can't stop swiping. Mm-hmm. Oh dear. It at one point got to be sport. For you. Yeah. And it was just habit to look. Yeah. You know, and then I remember when I didn't do it anymore thinking... Boy, I have so much more free time on my hands. Exactly. I mean, it was so time You don't even realize it. And thinking about it, doing it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Oh, my gosh. You have so much more time on your hands. Well, and the most interesting part of this theory, study, finding, whatever mm-hmm. you want to say, is that social anxiety or loneliness didn't lead to compulsive use of swiping, swiping, swiping. But the presence of either having social anxiety or being a lonely person almost always leads to the overuse. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah so, well, because yeah. you're lonely and you want to mm-hmm. find someone. And yeah. Just, and, so, and then it just becomes habit. So the study's authors, and this was published in the Journal of Social, social and Personal Relationships, a personal favorite. Uh, they want the <laughs> dating app users to be aware of their feelings and moods when using the apps and try and set limits for yourself as to how much time you spend swiping. You know, it's funny because you think of how people get addicted to the video games like Fortnite and all that other stuff. I mean, you know, and it's just it becomes just game. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. OK, listen. you've taught us a lot. Lauren. I've taught I've ta- a lot I've and nothing to at the same can, time. We can't spot a liar marriages are great for women a lot of them and not so great for men not multiple marriages not multiple and if you're addicted to the bumble and the twitter stop tinder or not tinder like dating apps yeah dating apps take take a break okay take a breather all right there you go that's and when we come back uh we have to discuss quentin tarantino you are mad at him. I'm mad at him, and I don't even know why. I'm going I don't to tell either, you and next. you never even saw the damn movie either I know. of you guys. So I, this will be really interesting. Yeah, I know. It, I, know I can't it. wait. I need you to fill in the okay, movie blanks. Yeah, I know. Okay. What a time. What a time. What a time. We've had together. 
I can't. We've had this time to Wait till we get together. Okay, I want to just, Julia, I want you to tell me what you think is the best. I'm going to give you a trace of the best songs of 1969. Okay. Elvis Presley, Suspicious Minds. Do I lose if I don't pick that? No, no, no. The Archie's Sugar Sugar was in the, okay. Led Zeppelin, Whole Lot of Love. Love that song. Uh, Crimson and Clover by Tommy James and the Shondells. Or... Everyday people slay in the family stone. Of all of those, both sides now, Joni Mitchell. I mean, can I go sappy? Sure. Rains sure. and rains and apple trails. And oh, both sides now. Both sides now. That is and not. Those are not the lyrics. I've looked at life from both sides now. Well, that part's right. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. the Judy Collins version better than. Joni, even though Joni wrote it, I like that. I know. For me, for me, right now, I gotta go. Elvis, suspicious minds. But here we go. Here we go. How's it start out? Birds and toes and flows of angel hair and ice cream castles in the air. That's Judy, isn't it? Judy Collins. Yeah. Auntie Marlene, she loved yep. this song. Yep, I know it. Number one favorite song. I was just thinking song. about it of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I like them all. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's too hard to say. It's too way. hard to say. Sugar, Sugar by the Archies. I we love that song. I love that, that song. Day. Oh, my gosh. It was so honey, good. Honey. See, now, what's interesting about that list is that back then, in 1969, Top 40 Radio played everything. everything. From Sugar, Sugar yep. to a whole lot of love. Love, love, love. That's true. Give me shelter. You played everything. Bobby Gentry. Isn't that kind of that's too bad? You, you played all those on the same station. Yeah, that was kind yeah. of fun. People did did get a little bit more of an eclectic mix. Yes, you okay. did. Okay, so a couple things about this. Tar- Tarant- First of all, Tar- Quentin Tarantino doesn't like it when anybody is critical of his genius. He's shown many times he's very thin-skinned. Okay, Quentin was recently faced with some criticism from Bruce Lee's daughter, Shannon, about the way her dad was portrayed in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Now, Quentin could have offered a half-hearted apology, and that would have been the end of it. But no. What does he do? He shows up in Moscow. That's the that's the job he had to promote uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he was asked about it. And Shannon's argument was that all the dead celebrities in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... Like Sharon Tate, Steve McQueen, were shown in a sympathetic light with honor and respect to their legacies. Her father, at least what Shannon felt was being portrayed, was that Bruce Lee was arrogant. Kind of an arrogant guy. And Shannon called out Quentin She just said, I thought it was kind of crappy. Everybody else got this like sort of golden thing. Mm-hmm. And my dad... Face so much abu- uh, uh, discrimination, discrimination. Yeah, right. in Hollywood while he was fighting you know, for his career. So Quinn was asked about it, and he stood by his idea, and he blamed Bruce's wife, Linda Lee. Um, beep, beep, look out for the bus, Linda, you're about to be thrown under it. Mm-hmm. He said... Um, this, he said, Bruce Lee was kind of an arrogant guy, the way he was talking. I just didn't make that up. I heard him say things like that to that effect. If people are saying, well, he never said he could beat up Muhammad Ali. Well, yeah, he did. Not only did he say that, did he say that, but his wife, Linda Lee, said in her first biography, 
She said that. Okay, let me just stop you there. Okay. Okay. Because this has gone on too long. Yeah, all right. So basically, here's what I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Linda Lee did say that in her biography. No. It he says got the it, quote wrong. Whatever. Those who watched Bruce Lee would bet on Lee to render Cassius Clay senseless. That's the quote from her book. Fine. So he got that wrong. It is a movie. I know. And then Shannon Lee, who's complaining right now that Quentin Tarantino he, won't shut up. Also, he could shut up about it. But here's what she told Variety. Hmm. My father's confidence could be mistaken for cockiness. I'm going to say this is much ado about nothing. All right, but okay. it's on... Why didn't Quentin just like... Because he doesn't give a flying toot. Because he's thin-skinned, no, Quentin Tarantino. Maybe. No, you can never... No one can ever... He gets... If you can look back, like I could do a vintage scandal on all the little... Oh, does he get mad if anyone questions anything? I mean, he's all the way in yeah, Moscow. Well, okay, so what... What should he, he have should said? have just said, you know what, I I, I, I was try, I was just trying to move the story in another yeah. direction. I mean, anything yeah. would have been but so easy. He doesn't easy. need to apologize if he didn't do anything he, wrong. He, he doesn't, but he did get the quote wrong. He did get the quote wrong. He did get yeah. the quote wrong. Yes. I would Bruce like to Lee never said he was, okay. could beat at Muhammad when Ali. When you go see the movie, yeah, both of you, okay. you yeah. come back and report <laughs> okay. to me if this is much ado about nothing like I feel it is. Okay. Okay, but in the meantime, I would like to introduce you to the Earl and Countess of Dumbarton. Oh, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Yes, the Earl and they're in a. They were. They're not in Scotland, so you don't. You don't call them that. Oh, they're not there yet. I'm saving this for when they get there. Yeah, boy, Blake Lively gave Ryan Reynolds a uh, a painting of him as a 12 year old newspaper carrier. Throwing newspapers, and he said, "This is the best birthday present I've ever had." Hmm. How do you feel Don't about give that? Give me that for my birthday. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs>